Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church located in Katy, Texas. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing that faith with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless your week. Dear Christian, grace, mercy, and God's never-ending peace be yours in abundance today. As you see clearly, that is, you see through the eyes of faith, your Savior holding you fast. Show of hands, how many of you have had either glasses or contacts before in your life? Quite a few. How many of you, and might be the same number of hands that go up, have ever had a prescription change over time? Okay, so you know what it's like, what I'm about to say. And those of you who have never had glasses before or a prescription change also might know what it's like through knowing someone who does. What I mean is this, that experience when you put on new glasses for the first time or when your prescription changed and then you put on that new prescription for the first time, the shock of what you can see. Haven't you had that experience or heard someone have that experience? Things like, wow, I can read that sign. Hey, I didn't know the trees have leaves. And who knows what else? All kinds of things. The point is this. Before you could see clearly, you didn't really know what you were missing, even though you probably knew you couldn't see as clearly as some others. But after the new glasses or prescription, now, not only can you see clearly, you also know better what you were missing before that change took place. We want to see clearly not just signs or trees or whatever with our physical eyes, but we want to see clearly with the eyes of faith. We want to look at Jesus, open our eyes to see who he is, what he has done, what he continues to do, what he will always be doing. And as we do that, we get to explore some scriptures today, some of the most familiar ones in all the Bible. The account of Jesus walking on water. We begin with verse 22, and we hear kind of an unusual phrase. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Why would Jesus chase his disciples into the boat and send them on their way as quickly as possible? Well, what had happened just before verse 22 is that Jesus had fed the 5,000. Five loaves, two fish, enough food for 5,000 men plus women and children. A shocking and astonishing miracle. And how would those thousands respond to the clear proof that Jesus is true God, the Messiah promised from long ago. Sadly, they did not grip with the eyes of faith. Instead, they said, wow, heaven came to earth to give us heaven on earth. 
wouldn't it be wonderful if we hoist Jesus up on our shoulders and take him to Jerusalem and cheer for him like crazy? Wouldn't it be wonderful if after we do that, he destroys the Romans and makes us rich and powerful once again as a country? Wouldn't it be great if we do absolutely nothing and he feeds us for free like he just did this afternoon? What a great idea, Jesus. You can be our king. We can retire early. Heaven has come to earth to give us heaven on earth. You know how common of a thought that is, even in our own lives? That the point of God and a relationship with him is to get heaven on earth? Jesus knew how fragile his disciples were. And he also knew how prone they were to sliding into that very thing. And so immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. Get out of here by all these people thinking that I've come for heaven on earth. Almost wanting to trample us in order to get it faster and faster. Then, another shock, Jesus dismissed the crowd. And verse 23, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. This happens every now and then in the Bible that Jesus goes off by himself to pray. God talks to God for hours. And it always crosses my mind whenever I see a verse like Matthew 14, verse 23, if perfect Jesus thought it best and felt the urge to spend hours in prayer and not just seconds or minutes, that it wasn't just an afterthought, how much more do sinners like us who battle an intrinsic sinful nature need to spend time in prayer talking to God about our spiritual needs. Then, another shock. Jesus was on the mountainside alone praying, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. A storm popped up, middle of the night, 3, 4 in the morning, is where we hear about this happening. In spring of 2022, a strong storm popped up on the Sea of Galilee. And these were the stats with the weather equipment that we have today. 50 mile an hour winds, 90 mile an hour gusts, 10 foot waves. And I know what you might be thinking at the first sound of those numbers. So what? No big deal. We live in Houston, we have hurricane force winds that are stronger, waves are higher on the ocean. But remember, the boat that they're in is pretty small, and they didn't have a motor. They didn't have gas. They only had themselves and their oars. Would you want to be miles in the middle of a lake that's over 100 feet deep when there's 50-mile-an-hour sustained winds with 90-mile-an-hour gusts? And all you have is yourself and your oars? I don't think any of us would sign up for that. And I do think all of us would be scared that we were going to drown. Especially after rowing for hours in the dark, bleary-eyed and exhausted, and the wind still is as strong as ever. 
after all that work, we would have gotten nowhere like these disciples on this night. What happened next? Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Maybe they even thought, this is the angel of death coming to get us once and for all. Who knows? But Jesus immediately, without delay, said to them these three strong, straightforward, simple sentences. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And guess what? The wind was still howling at 50 to 90 miles an hour, and the waves were still crashing 8 to 10 feet or maybe even more. It's not like Jesus stopped the storm and then said, See, you can take courage now. The storm was still raging. And yet the disciples could have courage in spite of it. Then, yet another shock. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus commanded. Then Peter got down out of the boat. And I'll bet all the other disciples thought, that guy is crazy. We already knew he was crazy, and now we really know he's crazy. And Peter walked on water and came toward Jesus. Yes, Jesus Christ is not the only one who has walked on water in the history of the world. Peter too, by Christ's power alone, of course. But when he saw the wind, because it was still howling, he was afraid He begin, and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And then we have another immediately. Not only did immediately chase his disciples into the boat to, to get away from the heaven on earth crowd, not only did Jesus immediately say, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now immediately he reached out, caught Peter's hand, and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. And they didn't, at least in that moment, care a whole lot about heaven on earth. What an incredible string of miracles. How many? Four or five or six? Don't miss that one at the end where the wind stopped finally when they got in the boat, just like that. And also don't miss the one where Jesus caused their hearts to change so that they trusted him, so that they saw with sharp vision who he was and what he had come to do. These words are so applicable to us in any circumstance we run into as the scenes of life come and go, as new situations pop up out of nowhere, like the storm popped up out of nowhere that night on the Sea of Galilee. A German proverb has this to say, wherever God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel next door. And if you apply that proverb to your own heart, God builds his church in your heart when he brings you his holy truth and causes you to believe it. Brings you scriptures like the ones we're talking about today 
And you say thank you when you hear the words of Jesus for your soul. That's God's church within you, in your heart. But the devil builds a chapel right next door and works very, very hard to get you to think about and listen to anything, literally anything else, besides Jesus telling you, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Some versions of what might come out of the devil's chapel could be, he starts telling you, you know, God really should give you a heaven on earth. Heaven came to earth to do that, right? Wouldn't that be the best thing possible? And if God is all-powerful and if he's all-loving, how come he hasn't done it yet? In the devil's chapel, the lie seeps out that you should blame God because he hasn't given you heaven on earth yet. What's taking so long? In the devil's chapel, the lie comes through that when you're exhausted and you're worried and you're wondering about the future, the devil whispers in his chapel, you're alone. How are you going to make it? You better shape up and get going or else. Because the one thing you know you can't do, says the devil in his chapel, is trust God. What about the devil in his chapel leading you to find a tragic event? Something heartbreaking in the world because there's no shortage of those. Every day that goes by, every week that passes. And to focus on all the details of it, to drink it in more and more, and the implication certainly is in the devil's chapel that God's not around. He's not a factor. Maybe he's trying to be a factor, but he's not able to be a factor. The worst yet. If any Christian were to think about outreach, reaching out to save a lost soul, in the devil's chapel, you would hear, why bother? They're never going to come around. Didn't you try that once? Hasn't somebody already tried that before? You don't know what you're talking about. Don't even bother. Do you see how close to our heart what the devil lies to us in his chapel is? And yet, what does Jesus do when he knows that people like us, so fragile and tempted, what does he do? Does he let us fight it out on our own? Immediately, he comes to rescue us. Immediately, he keeps bringing us his word. He keeps sowing his seed. He keeps reminding us and pointing us to the truth. Who he is, true God, how much he loves us eternally, and what he has planned for us. Salvation that never stops. Jesus tells us repeatedly, take courage. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear drive your approach to this situation. Don't let fear drive as the scenes of life keep changing. Instead, take courage because I'm here. And even though the wind is still howling and even though the waves are still crashing, guess what? I, the Christ, haven't changed at all. And I'm not going to. A surge of courage, joy, peace, satisfaction, and the most wonderful empowerment 
empowered to live for Christ in this world that otherwise is going down the tubes, takes us over. And what an opportunity we have in front of us to live for our Savior with that heartbeat always a big part of our lives. Jesus' own words, take courage. I'm here. Don't be afraid. And so when we are wavering between the devil's chapel and God's church, when we are struggling to listen to the devil's lies, which are always me first at the bottom of it, and God's word, which is always Jesus first at the bottom of it. We listen to Jesus' words to Peter. Don't be a little faither. Don't doubt. Don't try to stand in two places at once. Don't try to listen to two messages at once. Jesus is with us. Take courage. Don't be afraid. As we peer into the future and aren't sure about what's going to happen, who possibly could be? We're just human, human beings. We don't know the future, and we never will. Yet, we can peer into the future with this courage and confidence that Jesus is with us there, no matter what comes up. We need not be ever in the spot where fear must drive and we have no other option. As the world is proving once again that it's broken and difficult and sometimes even shocking, even there, we can listen to Jesus' truth, which hasn't changed at all. Take courage. He's with us. Don't be afraid. The world was tragic, shocking, and heartbreaking when he was here 2,000 years ago for a 33-year time period. And as we're wanting to reach out to people who need to get to know Jesus better, as we're, we're craving for someone in our lives that we love to have the glasses that we have, to see Christ for who he is, to have that same trust, to take courage, Jesus is with us, don't be afraid, never mind the wind and the waves. We don't listen to the devil's chapel which says, why bother? We listen to Christ and we have courage. He is with us there too. Outreach is all about him and never about us. We leave it to him and his timing as we hold out his word of life. What an incredible opportunity you have today and tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that to be able to say no matter what comes up, no matter what has gone on, today, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus as my Savior. I see clearly with the eyes of faith who he is and what he has done and what he has planned. I can rightly take courage. I can listen to Christ's truth and need not be afraid because he will hold me fast. I've always, no matter what comes up in my life, got God in the boat. Amen. We know your time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. 
If you're enjoying this podcast, would you be so kind as to click to follow our show and give us a five-star rating? That's a quick and easy way to help us get the message of truth out to more people. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.